song. You oh, played it with us oh, a few yeah. times. Absolutely. Over the course of my career, I found my way through many challenges navigating the tricky waters of the music industry. It's a sink or swim business, that's for sure. There was never a plan B for me. I was always determined to succeed. When you love what you do, when it's your bliss, your passion, your deepest desire, and your truth, it's fight or fight, not fight or flight. It's really knowing yourself, believing in your authentic self, and fighting for that. In the music business, you can't set it and forget it, that's for sure. One number one hit single doesn't mean you've made it. That would be like saying a running back in the NFL scoring one touchdown, and he's thinking he's made it forever. Becoming successful is hard, but staying successful even harder. John Resnick, the lead singer, lead guitarist, badass songwriter of the Goo Goo Dolls, he's a fighter fight guy and 1,000% authentic. I love that. He's one of those people who isn't content resting on their previous successes. He's always creating, evolving, striving for perfection, open-minded, being the best that he can be, and writing his next amazing song. He's always thinking about what's next. And once said, hey, I still have ideas for songs in my head. I'm not ready to just hang it up and be a nostalgia act. I'm still swinging. That's all I can ask for. John was born in Buffalo, New York, is one of the founding members of the Goo Goo Dolls, and has written countless hits beginning in 1995 with the number one songs, Name, Iris, and Slide followed by many other amazing songs like Black Balloon, Broadway, Here Is Gone, Big Machine, Sympathy, Better Days, Stay With You, and Let Love In, setting a record for the most top 10 hits in hot AC radio history with 14 consecutive tracks. That's crazy. Iris spent nearly a year on Billboard's airplay charts in 18 weeks at number one, and Slide went to number one in six different radio formats. John once said, you hope that you can build something that will last. Well, John, your wish came true <laughs> because you're still writing songs 40 years later, touring with the Goo Goo Dolls and kicking some serious ass. Great to see you, buddy. Great to see you, too. <laughs> Always good to see you. Wow. Those guns. What a buildup. Look at these guns. Ah! The Gun Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a big fan of you, your singing, your, your hook lines, your melodies, your songs, the Goo Goo Dolls. And man, when I went on tour with you, I, I was just laughing the whole time because every song, oh, I know that song. Oh, I know that song. I knew every single song. I mean, and your fans sing along all the time. And I'm, you know, why do you think your fans are still so like, they're so loyal and they're so there? Is it the songs? Yeah. I mean, it must be the songs. It's gotta be, it's gotta the, be the songs. I mean, our fans are incredible. They're and loyal, aren't they? Oh my God, they're the best. They're the reason that we're still around, you know, because. You know, when I look at everybody that came up with us, there's not a lot of us left from that era. Very few of those bands left. But for some reason, I don't know, we were, we were just lucky enough to touch some emotional chord with some people. You know, I don't know. You know, if I knew that, I'd try you to duplicate it. it. You could bottle I'd it. I'd bottle it, yeah. You know, the thing is, I, I have a, a theory. You know, I think humans, they're feeling creatures. So, like, if you're in the audience... And you obviously are gifted at taking human feelings and putting them into songs, parts, lyrics, vibe, the whole thing. I mean, beyond what you even know what you're doing, you just can do it. You're channeling. It's coming through you. You're doing this. But then there are people are looking at it and going like, I feel that. And they may not even intellectualize. They, they feel it. 
Yeah. They recognize it. And they see your body language. They see you are authentic. I mean, I was, I'm not Thank fooling you. around. You are, you are what you are. What I am you what I am. You yeah. know, and a lot of people don't like it. So a lot what? of people do like it. So I know. What? But that's the thing, though, Kenny. So like, if you, what? I got to ask you a question. I want to get your take on this. Because it's like, you know, you're a kid. You're playing. You were young and like, boom, you guys got famous. Yeah. Real famous. Real fast. And that was a different time in the music business, oh, totally. too. And it, you could make it if you had the guns from the label and right. radio was the only way you heard music. What did it feel like when you were like, oh, my God, I'm actually like I'm making a living doing this. Like, oh, my God. I mean, my dream was always to be able to make a living doing it. But I mean, I was not making much of a living at first. And we were playing like when I got in John's band, he was maybe had done five records. Oh, already? Yeah. But he, his songwriting wasn't great. Right. He was a star. Yeah. He wasn't a great songwriter. They saw him. It's a long story, but they saw him and they went, this is going to be, the guy's going to be star. And then Tony DeFries from Main Man Management, who did Bo Bowie. Right. Kind of almost like made a bet. I can make this guy famous. And he changed his name to Johnny Cougar. Right. John grew up in the Rust Belt. His uncles, you know, had arms like that. They resolved all their issues with fist fights. Yeah. You come home and say your name's Johnny Cougar. It probably wasn't a happy thing. And then he loses his deal a year later. I get in the band and this guy's fighting. And he's trying to become a better songwriter. And yeah. next thing you know, we're on tour with Hart, opening up for them. And all of a sudden, Jack and Diane, no, Hurt So Good went to yeah. number two. I, the Tiger, was number one. There was no way we were going to blow that out. Yeah, but number two. We were number two, and then they released Jack and Diane yeah. went to number one. Right. And Hurt So Good stayed in the top ten. Wow. That's pretty amazing accomplishment. That's back then. Back then, that's interesting. Because as you know, you, don't, you put out a song. You're competing with Billy Joel, Elton John, The Police, Rolling Stones, Tom Petty, whoever's on the radio. Yeah. There's only so many slots. Yeah. And you got to compete with those guys. Yeah. And we were sitting in our little rehearsal room going like, how are we going to blow these guys out? Yeah. You know, wow, that's amazing. The guitar sounds, the lyrics, the that. You know, but anyway, then all of a sudden, in eight years, we went from a thousand people to selling out arenas, yeah. two, Madison Square Garden, two nights in a row, yeah. private jet, the whole thing. And it was such intense work that it just sort of felt normal. I mean, it's just kind of... You guys were touring constantly, weren't you? Eight years. Or in the studio. You know, or... It was a two-year cycle. Mm -hmm. John would write the songs, come in, we'd arrange the songs, record them, you know, ah, we need more songs. Then we finally get the songs, then we mix master. Mm -hmm. And John liked to get finish the song in one day, at the most two days. He wanted to see what we have so that if it's not good, let's get rid of it. Right. So let's see, you know, put all the overdubs. And dude, when I went out there, you know, it was like, I had to think, it's just, this could be the only take. Right. Because even if you make mistakes, John might say, I want to keep it because of that feeling thing. Yeah. I don't care if you make mistakes. It feels great. Right, exactly. You know what I mean? That's always the thing that I find, too, with musicians now. There's mechanics and technicians, and then there's artists, yeah. you know? Yep. And it's like, the, anybody who's an artist has to have really good mechanics and technicians around them, oh, yeah. you know, to help. Because, I mean, let's face it, most artistic people, they can yeah. be a little flaky, you know? And it's yeah, like, yeah. you can be a little flaky. And it's like, but I've found, in my experience, like, some musicians, I don't know how much schooling you've had as a musician. I did five years of classical training wow that's amazing that. that's amazing oh, but are you you're able to think outside the box it's like you know yeah. the rules and you intentionally break them oh yeah you know intentionally. intentionally break them that's what i always thought about like 
you know, I saw these really early things that Picasso drew when he was a kid. And you were like, oh my God, it's perfect. It was like this guy made a conscious decision. Well, I know all the rules. Now I'm going to break them. Totally. And it's like when something magic just happens, it's like people, I remember like talking to producers and they're like, no, that's dissonant. No, there's a rub between the bass and the guitar. And I'm like, yeah, but I like it. It makes me feel something. Feel something. I'm feeling something here. Well, it's not right. Sometimes I find that over-educated musicians paint themselves into a corner and define what's wrong and what's right. And the technique comes before the feeling. You know what I mean? Let me ask you this. So, and we're talking about the same thing. It's there's being in it because I know how you think. You're like a songwriter, but you're a producer too. So you have to, I bet you step out of yourself and look at the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. Try to, try to, you know, we all fall in love. Oh yeah. With what we're doing. Look at this, my new baby. Listen. Right. And then someone comes in and shits on it and you're like, (laughs) it's okay. I'm going to wait to say, fuck you. You know, I'm going to wait. That's like someone saying your kid's ugly. You know, it's like, (laughs) well, I mean, the thing is, is that, I mean, You've got to have objectivity. Otherwise, you're going to get, you're going to box yourself in a corner and miss the picture. I agree. And it's like, I've been really lucky to have a partner like Robbie. We can talk to each other like that. We can say, dude, that sucks. That's special. That sucks. And you get pissed off and you're like, yeah, well, fuck you. What have you brought to the You know, but it's like staying focused. What serves the song? And this is something too, like I have found this too in, in the studio. You know, I'm sure you've seen this too. It took me a little bit of doing, but I work with Brad Fernquist. Oh, yeah. Okay. Who, anybody out there in this world, look up Brad Fernquist online. He's ridiculous. And he's a sweetheart. He's, he's a sweetheart. He's a great team player. He's a great team player. He's very generous with his knowledge. There's times we're sitting in a studio and I have to go, Brad, you got to play this. I can't do it. Well, that's awesome. I can't do it, man. And it's like, it took me a minute to be able to say that because I was very, you know what I mean? But then I found that if I go like this, more happens. Yeah, you, you know what I mean? If I'm like trying to hide it, you know, what's that old saying about putting the light under the bushel? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, if you're open and I can admit, I want to be the weakest link on that stage. Truly. Cool. That's you know what I'm yeah. saying? You're totally. Because I hold myself to a pretty high standard. Yeah. But I wander. That's great because you know, they always say <clears throat> you surround yourself by better people than you. Then you're going to get You better. don't want to be the best person. No. In the room. No, that's like you want to live in the shittiest house on the nicest yeah, street. Right. <laughs> exactly. You know? How long has Brad been in the band? He's going on like 15, 16 years. So there you go. The compliment to him and you guys. Yeah. You can find great, a lot of great musicians, but to find somebody you can get along with and connect and that's the ultimate teamwork and that's incredible because you know I played with him with Michelle Branch yeah. I did two records with Michelle John Shanks produced mm-hmm. and then uh, I thought well I did three videos and did two albums yeah I'll go on tour it makes sense Yeah. and Brad was there yeah he was funny he yeah. was a good time yeah he's a good time okay you gotta tell me about this new record this um, it's called uh, Live at the Academy New York City 1995 yeah. I believe it's like an old recording, a live show with sound, yeah. with your sound check and 32 songs. And yeah. Like, what made you guys do that one? Well, 32 songs, I got to tell you, 32 songs, we had to do 32 songs in a show because we played everything so fast. We're like, <laughs> da, 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 You know, like, oh my God, we got to do 30 songs. 
that recording was done by the late beautiful soul, great innovator in music, Jerry Finn. Oh, wow. And Jerry Finn. Wow. Great engineer, great producer. I mean, Green Day, Blink-182, he worked with us. And like, he did that live recording and we didn't know where the hell it was for it was years. It tape, right? Yeah. And like, you know, we recorded. You didn't know what was. You found this shit. We found it. And like, after all these years and then put it together, Jerry was just like, every time that we got to work with him, he was just such a joy mm-hmm. to be around. And he was just such a great guy. And like, he was a good drummer too. He was, oh, really? he was a good drummer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was the first time I ever saw a guy do triplets on a drum kit. And I, I think I'm from Buffalo. I played with one drummer <laughs> yeah. my whole life, you know? And then this guy sits down behind a kid. He's like, yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? That's insane. That's insane. You know, it was pretty amazing. That was a really amazing time in our career. We were just sort of still, we were struggling to get over that hump, mm-hmm. you know, and we had one song that was just starting to do well. We had a new drummer in the band. Oh yeah. The, the original drummer was gone. Yeah. He was gone at that point. Mike, Mike Malinin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He played with us for yeah. a long time. We were all still kind of new with each other. We were still in kind of the honeymoon phase there. Wow. And we were still critics, darlings. Nobody, nobody really started shitting on us till after you get, you know how it is. You get some success and everybody starts shitting on you. Oh, dude, Whatever. some of those English bands, they're great until they become popular. Yeah. Then they trash the crap out of them. Like, yeah. What is that? Yeah. I don't know what that is. What do you they want put you on a pedestal. For the rest of life? Right. And it was like, they hate when people get successful. There's a certain thing yeah. about that. And I know you, you're a very motivating guy. Like you have this powerful energy that comes off of you. It's contagious. Your enthusiasm, your vibe is it's contagious man that's the most important thing it's like you gotta be able to hang oh totally. and like you hang yeah. you're doing pinky push-ups you're doing pinky push-ups <laughs> in the front lounge of the bus you are what did you wake up one night and i was doing push yeah i woke up i'm like <laughs> i was famous for that this guy doing is doing push-ups, push-ups <laughs> on the bus on the bus driving down the <clears throat> i'm about 80 miles an hour <laughs> like all right man it's like keeps this going oh my god uh, that album, though, did you have to fix a lot of it? I didn't go anywhere near it. We just left it just the way it is. and Wow. Had it I haven't heard it. I got to check it out. It's like, you know what? I was like, fuck it. It is what it is. Well, even the vocals? I didn't touch anything. I did not touch anything. You know, so. Nobody touched it? They just. No. And I, I got to be honest. I haven't heard it either. You know? It it's like, out. I kind of don't want to hear it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I kind of want to just be like, you know what? It's a snapshot of a very special time. And I'm glad we get to share it with people. I'm glad we found it. I think it's a fitting kind of tribute to Jerry Finn's greatness. Right, right. You know, because he was truly, truly great and truly special. You know, he was a truly special person. He unfortunately passed way too young. You know, he was one of the big producers. I thought he was going to be like the king of them all, man, because he was just so open. Yeah. And a beautiful person. Yeah, well, that goes a long way in this business. Yeah. So when you write songs, I kind of know the answer, but what is it lyrics first? Is it a hook line, a melody, uh, what instrument, uh, or is it just all the above? It's kind of a mishmash of all that. But the basic starting point is me in a chair or on a sofa after everyone in my house has gone to sleep with my iPhone and an acoustic guitar. Dude, I figured that because yeah. you could, first of all, a lot of guitar players can't play rhythm. You, your rhythm guitar playing is sick. Thank you. And those parts, the rhythmic figures and the melodies, 
or like you hear like a measure and you're like, oh, it's Goo Goo Dolls. And, it's, yeah. and you're touched. You're, you have a, you know, I want you to play some songs. That, sure, sure, sure. Because, man, I want to see. And you're into some bizarre tunings. You just yeah. mess around. Like, yeah. you're going for a feel mm-hmm. and a vibe. So whatever that is. If it's two strings, who cares? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Well, yeah, that song Iris, I wrote it on a guitar, it had four strings on it. It only had four strings? It had four strings on it because I broke them because I was messing around with the tune. And the whole alternate tuning thing was just out of necessity. I'm not crapping on myself, but I'm not a good technical player. I'm like... Yeah, but the feel is... I, it's about feel. Like, And that's why I make a lot of mistakes. I make a lot of mistakes yeah. when I play live. It's just that's I'm right. trying to get a feel. But it's like, I'll be like in the studio playing... I'll be in the studio playing. I'm just like, I don't know. And then I'll just start winding a string. No, 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 no. That feels better. Because now I got this oh, I got this weird note droning over the top, you know? And it's kind of like, nah, it just adds a little thing. And that was something when I first found out about Bob Mould, I was like, I saw Husker Du when I was in high school. He was detuning his guitar. And I was just like, oh my God. You can do that. Freaky. And then I'm like, Joni Mitchell, Jimmy yeah. Page, Ry yeah. Cooter. Yeah. Who, you know, I, you've worked with Ry Cooter, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What was that like? No. He came to the studio. No one came to invite all these surprise guests in, and he, we, we did something together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was like, it was like, pretty freaking brilliant. Foreign. Yeah. It was like, what the? F-? Yeah. I love the whole alternate tuning thing. And we were a three piece, and we were, play, we were playing punk rock, you know, obviously. Yeah. But I felt like the punk thing, it was just too many rules. Too many rules. You got to wear your hair like this. And you yeah. got to wear these clothes. You got to play these chords. You got to, you know, yeah. it just got a little like, eh, you know, it's cool. But it's to me, it was always kind of music for kids, except for the Clash. They were fantastic. The Ramones had the Ramones melodies. Yes. They were like the Beatles playing punk. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they had yeah. choruses and melodies. big hooks, yeah. big hooks. And that was always the thing. It's like, you need a hook. Man, that's a lot you're of times. You're the know? king of that. Well, you're the king of that because you're like, you got the hook with the melody. You got the hook with the guitar. Then, I mean, in Iris, I mean, there's like eight hooks. Oh, thank you. You know, because all those sections, it's like ridiculous and rhythm. That's know? cool. Thank you very much. Good, good. That's like one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, one. You probably weren't even thinking no, about that. I, I, so I'm no, I like, What's he doing? So I analyze it. Mm-hmm. So I can go, oh, it's 332. Three, three, right. Two. So that's that's interesting. I got that from classical music. Yeah. You're doing it the right way. You're, you're starting from a musical, you're do, starting from a feeling place, and then you play this music that, get, that satisfies that feeling or inspires that feeling. Me, I'm trying to like, oh my God, I got like, you know, like when you guys called me that one time or Brian texts me at 8.30 in the morning, he says, uh, what are you doing, Kenny? Uh, can you rehearse today? Mm-hmm. Eight thirty in the morning uh, with uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. We got a gig tomorrow, up in San Jose. You know, rehearse today, then fly at six, and then we have a gig tomorrow. Well, I'm not gonna be able to memorize. Yeah. So this is where my reading skills come in. And you know, yeah. And you, you'll probably agree with this. I mean, it took me about twenty five, thirty years. I can read, and make it sound like I'm not reading. It's yeah. Live. Well, sight reading is a dying. Yeah. Art, man. I mean, what? that's that's a heavy skill. That's oh, a heavy skill. But I keep it up because people like, oh, I came off the Satriani tour this year. I had 80 songs. You know, I had 40 for this person. I had to do something with, mm-hmm. like, I'm about to do something with Sammy Hagar. That's going to be 18 songs and along with Van Halen songs. Wow. Van Halen wasn't a bad drummer. 
Oh, uh, yeah. No, he was a pretty amazing drummer. Anything he does, I try to play everything he did because it was perfect. Yeah. You know, I mean, he and Eddie would, you know, Alex and Eddie would sit in a room for a week and come up with these parts. And he, it wasn't like just, by the time they recorded, it was set. Mm-hmm. So I, I write everything out. But See, you're one of the most, like, universally, like, loved guys. Any room full of musicians, <laughs> anywhere I've ever been, if your name comes up, everybody's like, love that guy. Love that guy. Guy's awesome. Guy's a badass. Guy's a monster. That's cool. Everyone knows you. Everyone loves you. That's an amazing thing. That's a hard thing to, you know. Well, I didn't make this car. I'm just driving it. So now I'm just trying to keep the wheels on the pavement. But uh, yeah, I wake up happy. Yeah. I'm like happy. And you know why? Because I, if I feel happy, it makes my day great. Mm-hmm. So I try to, if you make somebody else happy, then that makes me happy. Well, I don't, I didn't analyze this. I figured that out as a little kid. Yeah. Did you? I That's was just amazing. doing it. I, I, you know what? If, Playing the drums and playing sports. I was into sports, too. Those things elevated your serotonin, your dopamine, your mm-hmm. adrenaline, all those things that are in you. Mm-hmm. And I just felt good. So, you know, hanging out with friends and joking and, and making them laugh did that to me, too. Yeah. Playing in a band did that for me, too. Yeah. You know, chasing after girls did that. For, I'm, so I went for all that stuff because yeah. it just made me happy. Yeah. So I think as a little kid, I figured it out without even having a discussion with myself. Sure. I was gravitating towards... You know, things that made me happy because at night when I laid in bed, I'd get a little bit down because mm. there was no stimulation. All that adrenaline, cortisol levels were going down. I was like, so my twin brother was over there. I hit him <laughs> because they were stupid enough to give us a room together. Yeah. He'd be sleeping. I'd hit him because then we'd start fighting and I'd get the adrenaline. Yeah. Wow. But I didn't know that back then. I'm looking at it as an adult going like, wow, that's why I did it. Yeah. And even when I get my butt spanked by my dad, it was, it was more fun than sitting there like, and everything was, yeah. know, my adrenaline was going down. Yeah. That's an oversimplification, but yeah. so yeah, man, I want to be happy. I like being happy. Yeah. It makes me feel good. Yeah. You see, it's like music for me was always, because I was not into sports. I was not good at it. Music became a way for me to make friends and to bond with people and to to have a, a peer group, you know? So it was like, it, it was kind of, cause we ever, it was very like, when I grew up, it was very divided up the jocks and the, the heads and the, oh, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know the whole thing and then stoners. And, what's that? I was the rock jock. Yeah. I had long know. hair. But played. see, you were one of those guys that you could just meld into the whole thing, you know? Well, I said, fuck it, man. I'm not one or the other. I like yeah. them both. Yeah. People say, why are you playing that music? Cause I like it. Why are you playing that music? Cause I like that. Yeah. Why are you playing that music? Really? Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Makes me feel good. I found as I got older, my mind was more open to different kinds of music and that, you know, because when I was a teenager, I had this idea. This is music was the only thing we had. You know what I mean? This is my identity. I'm going to dress like this. I'm going to look, I'm going to play like that. And I can't play a Marshall. I got to use this other amp because that's not cool. The metal guy, too many friggin' rules, you know? And like, I honestly got, I did not like Led Zeppelin until I was like in my thirties. Yeah. I didn't get it. Yeah. I didn't get it. And it was Well, like, it wasn't in your wheelhouse at that no, point. No, it wasn't. But it's like, not, I'm discovering so much music that I just think is incredible, man, that I didn't appreciate when I was younger. Dude, it seemed like every week there was a new band that was completely different. Yeah. 
The Doors and Hendrix and yeah. what? What's this Black Sabbath stuff? Yeah. You know, Jethro Tull, a guy with a flute and tights. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, well, it's like a different planet. Yeah. And it was like rapid. Yeah. And they were for real because everybody was in their little band house practicing and, and there was an end game though. You could get a record deal like it. So get a record deal, make money, go on tour and hey, that's more fun than working in an office. Sure is. You know what I mean? Sure is. Your thing is melody, melody, melody. You would have fit into the Beatles uh, like that. Your voice, your parts, your rhythm, guitar playing. You could have been the Beatles. It would thank worked. you. Wow. Yeah, I never heard that before. I mean, but thank you. No, I, was much. About I appreciate it. it. When I do this, I was like, let's go through all the songs or a bunch of songs, just getting in the vibe as I'm putting ideas down. I'm like, God, wow. Yeah. And I did that when I was playing with you guys. I was like, holy shit. But I could really hear, you know, on a recording, I could really hear your, the songs you wrote. I mean, it's like, holy shit. Everything's melodies, hook lines and stuff. That's not like punk music. But that was the thing. That's why I felt, very influenced by Bob Mould and Husker Du was because, and you should go back and listen to those Husker Du records. I will. Because, because even though they sound really weird to me now, I'm like, whoa, those records sound yeah. weird. Underneath this kind of cacophonous, searing guitar, yeah. there's this beautiful something going on. It's almost like a sound hallucination where these overtones are happening. Mm. And they always had big hooks, big, big hooks. Yeah, well, there you go. And I love that so much. And it was like, you know, I was just trying to fill space when we were a three-piece before I could afford to hire a second guitar player to fill in the gaps and do the solos and stuff. You're doing the solos and the rhythm. Well, I was, but I was doing them in this sort of like droney. It was almost like, like a bagpipe thing right. or something, you know, which I sort of picked up from watching that band Big Country. Oh, I'm a big country, yeah. Big country. And this guy's playing this like... three-piece or four-piece? I don't remember. But it, I don't remember. Somebody was doing that thing, that, was, yeah. that drony thing. Yeah, it's it like the up. drony thing. And, and you needed to fill this, because I was like, oh, that just doesn't sound right when it's just the bass. What was it like? You know? If you think about it, the drony thing goes around when you take a solo. Now the drony thing's gone. Well, I worked, I would do everything in the key. You know what I mean? Like I'd be playing in the same key. And these two strings would always find out. This is something that I did. I, I saw a banjo at a music store in Buffalo. And I was like, I was like, what are these things? And you can detune two of the strings. Oh, wow. So what I did was I had a, this a thing called a hip shot, which I'm sure you know it. Take the E string down to a D. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's the hip shot. So what I did was I put two banjo tuners on the high E and the B. So one would go up a half step, one would go up a whole step. So then I could get the B up to a C and then the E up to an F sharp. F sharp. And then I would drop the E string down to a D. And then you get this kind of open chord thing. So you got C, D, and F sharp. Right. And then you various different permutations, I guess, yeah. between those. Wow. That's just to try and fill the space. Pretty cool. Yeah, wow. it was like... It worked. It drove everyone crazy, you know, because... I bet with your tunings, you know, how many guitars you have on stage? On stage. On the stage. I got like, like 20 something. You tech him. I mean, before every show, yeah. does he double up on every guitar? In case no, he, no. You know what I'm saying? Trying not to because my old tech really wanted to have a duplicate of everything. So that'd be 40 guitars? Yeah, I mean, it, was, it was just, it was, it was out of control. It was insane. And so we've learned to work around yeah. things. And you know what's really interesting? It's like, Sometimes on YouTube, I'll find some kid 
that learned how to play one of our songs in a standard tuning. And I'm like, maybe I should just learn to do it all. Oh, I see. So you have like five cars. Guitars. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you know, instead of like 30 you know, or 20 yeah. or whatever it is, you know, oh my God. but it's like, they sound different and it feels yeah. different when you do it in a standard tuning. It's just not right. It's not the way the song was meant to play. Yeah. So my guitar tech BK is Brian Kutzman is very patient with me and he's, he's awesome, man. Somehow he keeps everything together. And well, don't it, get rid of him. Uh uh-uh, uh, no, 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 no. Brian, he, you got a job forever. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Yeah. You seem like, you know, I think about you and I hang with you. You seem, I mean, you're deep. You're in tune with your feelings and who you are. Have you always been that way or did that just evolve? Because that really, I think, is a big part of how you find things for your songwriting. I mean, it, playing is just, songwriting and playing is just a reflection of who you really are, your spirit. Yeah. You're, you're deep, man. You're like, um, you're connected with yourself. You know yourself. You have a relationship with yourself. It's not always a good one. <laughs> no, but, but, but you're like, there's a sincerity there. You're like, you're not, Thank you. you're not bullshitting yourself. If you're trying not to. Yeah. Trying not to. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, that's all I can ask is I, I, I yeah. try. Well, when we were kids, we learned to bullshit ourselves and people yeah. learn. But yeah, that's true. That's very true. Okay. And I say this in a very just matter of fact way. Okay. I got four older sisters and no brothers. I was the last kid, not the baby, the last kid. Right. There's a distinction. Right. After when the fifth kid comes in the house, yeah. forget it. Parents are over it. My dad, who I loved, and I still, I, you know, he's gone, but I loved him. But, you know, he was a bad alcoholic, had, had yeah. mental illness. He was a, a war veteran. And, like World War II? And yeah, you know, and, and uh, he... Was he a big guy? No, little dude. Tough little mofo. Yeah, kind of tough. Polish guy? Tough little, was he Polish? Yeah, 100% Polish. Catholic, Polish Catholic guy. Yeah. And um, Buffalo. Yeah, Buffalo. And, you know, very blue collar. Yep. But from the minute they brought me home from the hospital, I was never going to be a full member of that tribe because I was a boy. Do you know what I'm saying? But your dad? Well, yeah. The My girl- dad was very absent. Okay. Because I don't I, think he could deal with five women. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know? So you were never going to be part of the woman tribe. No, I was never going to be part of it. They liked you. The- they liked me enough. Cuddle, but what, what was the spread like between the oldest sister and you? It was like every other year they had a kid. Oh, Catholic. Yeah, Catholic. Every other year. Yeah. Pop another one. Pop pop it in. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yes. You know, and my mom and dad, they used to fight like crazy. And I was just like thinking, when I got older, I was like. That's the way people did. That's the way they were, you know? And it's it's sort of like, man, my mom always said she hated him. But, you know, you got to do a lot of banging to have five kids. It's like, you know. It's like, I love this. When, when I grew up, it was always like all of our friends. And I'm, I know you have friends like this. Oh, yeah, we're trying to have a kid. It's like, I don't know. We're working on it. We're working on it. Sure. But it, 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 you want to have five kids, get broke. Like be unemployed, have no future. Yeah, and then all of a sudden, the universe will bless you with 10 children. <laughs> yeah. Now you got to figure out how to feed, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know? And it's like, and, and that, that always works, you know? And that was the way we grew up. You know, we were poor. Yeah. but. <clears throat> we grew up in a very working class neighborhood and it was a tough fucking neighborhood. Yeah. And I was not a tough kid. Yeah. You know, but you learned a lot. though. I learned a lot. Learned and a lot it, by being, could you, my sisters were a huge influence on me, whether I realized it or not, well, of course but there was always this, this little bit. And I just realized this not that long ago by virtue of my gender, I was never going to be a full member of the tribe. 
And my sisters all live geographically very close to each other. Still? Still. Two or three or, four, or all four of them are together every day. You know, and that's this, old school. That's man. very old school. That's old school. You know, and and they all live, you know, a couple blocks away from each other, a mile away. Thanksgiving, which house are we at this year? Right, exactly. You know, so it's so it's kind of like wow. And that that gave me this perspective of kind of like looking through a window at the at the world a lot. Mm -hmm. So I observed a lot. You were on your own. Yeah, kind of. You know, and then then my mom and dad died when you know my mom my dad died when I was fifteen. My mom died when I was sixteen. And I was out wow. of there. Totally on your So, But it was an adventure. You know, when you're that age, you remember being that age? Oh, it's sort I of like. Do anything. You could do, could you're, do anything. You're fucking invincible. Yeah. Invincible. You're invincible. Yeah. What I, yep. That's all right. Yeah. yeah. Next. Let's go. And then, you know, it was, it was a weird thing. It was a weird thing to have that happen. But yeah. it launched me out of that box See, that I grew up in. You know? This is the thing I'm, I, that's what I think I'm sensing from you. <clears throat> There's a sense of you had. You had to get to know yourself real clear. You had to, I don't believe in mistakes and failures. I, I just think they're just events that get us. It's all good. Yeah. Get us where we are. Because when you right. say failure, you feel like. No way. No. Success it's, is built on failure. Yeah. So that's why failure and mistakes are good things. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. They're lessons. Yeah. When I say, that's why I say I don't say mistakes or failures because they tend to give negative thoughts. But if I could feel that a mistake and a failure is a great thing, then I'll say the words. Yeah. Why am I? It's a great thing. Yeah. I mean, we're human. We're supposed to, I mean, think about it. Don't you think? I mean, we're just living our life in the big pictures. You're just trying to become the best man that you can be and yeah. get the most value out of this short little life yeah. you're in. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It just happens that we play music. Yeah. So we learn stuff playing music. Yeah. You know what I always love to do, though? I love trying to find the similarities between what we do and what other guys do. You know, like I met a guy at a party the other night. He's a chief operating officer for like a microchip company. We just started talking about, I'm like, yeah, you know, trying to figure out a way, you know, to cut my overhead on certain things. And like, you know, I want to make my guitar rig more efficient. Like people love hanging out with musicians oh, who aren't in the music business. They love hanging out with musicians. And then this guy was just like, I didn't expect to have this kind of conversation with you where you're trying to figure out how to lower your overhead. You're going out to a warehouse in Los Angeles to do inventory on your equipment. And like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. he's like, I thought you guys just kind of hung out and, you know, smoked weed and then partied. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh man. No, it's like, you got to get up and go to the gym. It's like, I'm fucking old, dude. I got to work out every day. I can't drink anymore. I can't smoke. Yeah, I got to yeah. stay on top. I'm running a little business. Well, yeah. We're running little businesses yeah. here. And, you know, he's, he runs a big business. But to find the similarities between what we do. And the other thing that I... I always tried to look at this. Now, you know every big rock star in the world. And I was lucky enough to meet guys who were big rock stars. And they, the big, big rock stars were always the most generous. I was like, wow. You know, I'm standing there talking to Mick Jagger about, you know, accounting. And like, just this stuff. Or Keith Richards says, yeah, man. Ronnie and I shared a dressing room over there. Just come in any, come in any, you know? And then you're like, what? And then I've also met guys who are the opposite. The opposite. Oof. And I wonder, why is that, Kenny? I mean, you're an observer of human nature. Like, you understand. Like, you can observe human nature. And, like, like well, what, I mean, what do you think drives someone to be so guarded or, or, or so open? I, you know? The music is secondary. It's all, it's like, you know, 
where you were born, who your parents were, the whole backstory of everything, your DNA, your you know ex- life experiences make people a certain way. Someone who's who's not a nice person and makes it in the music business, they're lucky because they uh, they're talented enough, they're smart enough. They made it in music, but that doesn't give them license to be a, a prick. No, the, that's a valuable lesson, all you young guys out there. Yeah, I mean, seriously, because my dad said, man, you could say the same thing nice. Yeah. You know, if you, you know, I, I must have said something. He says, hey, man, you can say the same thing to that person in a nice way. Yeah. You get the same effect. Actually, a better effect because you're being nice. Absolutely. I, and so, yeah, at this point in my life, I'd rather hang around the nice people than the pricks. Now, I, I've worked with people where... It wasn't fun, but I was at a position where I was trying to make it. So I understood what I was doing. I didn't want to be in that environment, but I knew it served me well, and it did. Yeah. But now, at this point, I ain't working with no... Yeah. Well, right. But you know what? You're in in an enviable position because you can go anywhere you want. I can pick and choose. You pick and choose what you do. But I... I, So, yeah. You know, that's so cool. You know, I, I know Mick. Mick and I know Ronnie and I know Keith and yeah. those guys are so cool and they're the biggest. They're the biggest. Elton the John. Elton John. Paul McCartney. Elton John Dang. was so cool to me. <laughs> he was so freaking cool to me. Give me an Elton John story. You might have actually played on that show too uh, with somebody. It was like the first concert at Madison Square Garden after 9-11. The concert for Heroes. I you no, may- I didn't, no, I didn't play that. I think I was on tour. Yeah. Yeah, I know that one. We did that and then I was like, wow, you're my childhood listening to don't shoot me i'm only the piano player you know this is it and then he's like yeah and then we're hanging out in his dressing room just bullshitting chatting and he was just so amazing you know and and i've had the opposite too where you're like hi you know i love your music or i like it you know yeah yeah you know but remember the good i try to remember remember I won't mention names, but I was working with this guy's notoriously uh, pretty, not a friendly guy. I'm making a record with this guy. He's one of the guys in this band. He's the main dude. And I get a great, t- there was no, no connection. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, let's do the next song. He didn't even say that was great, man. Good, good, cool, man. I like that. It was a good job. Yeah. It was just like, let's do the next song. And when we were done, he was missing. I mean, I, I had the same relationship with the door. I mean, <laughs> yeah. the door could say a few words. It was like, okay, so what I do in that situation, identify this as a situation. I am not going to play like shit because of that guy. I'm playing now for me. Okay, so how do you keep people from getting in your head up in there? You know how they say, okay. that guy's living rent-free up in here. I remember I worked with somebody once that was really getting to me, and but it was where I was <clears> in my self-development as a as a person mm-hmm. i remember this lady said to me man just put a bubble around you don't let that negative stuff in I went you don't get it man i'm a feeling guy i don't have this bubble i go i feel good i feel bad i feel everything i says i don't understand how how can i not when somebody's being a complete dick to you i don't have the skill i don't know how to do it yeah. how do i like ignore it and like like that doesn't phase me because i think what happens is when you're younger you haven't had enough life experience and you don't have enough confidence. You don't have a, enough self-esteem yeah. to overcome all that. Yeah. And if somebody comes at you hard and strong, it's a complete asshole. Yeah. I mean, you have to live a long life to get to the point where that stuff doesn't bother you anymore. Yeah. So I didn't know, and that, that lady didn't explain it to me right, where, listen, you know what? This stuff takes time. Mm-hmm. But remember, I told you this. She made it sound like, yeah, take this pill and you'll be fine. No. Yeah. 
But I remember, although I wouldn't be telling the story, that I went, Bob, all over me. I understand what she was saying, but I couldn't do that. I was not developed enough to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's hard. It's very hard. It's still hard. Yeah. This, oh, dude. Anybody can pull your, push your buttons. Anybody can push your buttons. What, what's amazing is how many people want to. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Oh, I know people who are great at it. They are purposely doing it. Oh, yeah. Because I never want to push anybody's buttons. Right. I want them to. I want everyone to be friendly because it makes my environment better. Right. So that's maybe why you said what you said before, because I'm like, you know, I'm the team guy. I like, I want everybody, I want to have fun. And I'm not going to have fun because I do care. I have empathy for people. If those people are suffering, I'm not going to have a lot of fun or it's not going to help with right. fun, you know? Right. So I want my environment good. So I'll do whatever it takes, joking around, slapping, whatever. Yeah. I learned at a young, a young age, I must have. Learned at a young age how to make people laugh and have fun. And I just took that on as, yeah. Oh, yeah, makes them happy, makes me happy. This is good. It works. I mean, I, yeah, that's a much better way of doing it. I'm not, I'm not good at that. I'm not good. I'm not good at, sometimes I get, I'm pretty happy, but you know, I mean, yeah, sometimes I'll get in a pretty dark headspace, right. especially on tour. Yeah. You know, like you get, like you'll have some, some bad days. You just want to, cause that schedule. Well, we're all crazy. differently chemically. Yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. Some days it's like, do you know what to do to get out out. when you get like that? Do you have a formula like, oh, take this uh, special vitamin? No. Like I take a lot of supplements. Yeah, me too. Me too. A lot, a lot of. So we're all wired differently. Yeah. I mean. Just a sack of chemicals. Yeah, right. We all are. You wake up, you know, when you wake up, you feel like, I'm sure you can realize this. Get on the tour bus. Everybody's driving you nuts. Guess what? It's you. Yeah, right. If everybody. Yeah. If everybody, if everybody is an asshole, well, wait a minute. How can everyone? How can I'm everybody, touring with 35 people. How can they help me asshole? 35 of them. I just talked to 35 <laughs> assholes today. And it's like, yeah, that's what oh, I know. That's me. Yeah. That's I get in my bunk and shut it. Yeah. I know, oh, you're having a bad day, Kenny. And you're able to put enough distance between. I can do it right. You know? The, the biggest thing is to recognize it. Yeah. Go, holy shit. They're really driving me nuts. But when I start seeing three or four people, then I know I'm just having a, a bad day for whatever reason. Yeah. So I get in my bunk and cool thing about playing music and especially being a drummer. So I start sweating it out. It all yeah. changes. See, that's kind of the thing on the road. It's like, feel sad, go to the gym. Feel, you know, feel happy, go to the gym. Tired, go to the gym until you're awake. Yeah. You know, just things like that. That's always been that's- my assistant, John. He's out there. He and I rent a car. In every city we go to, and we go find a gym, go find a Whole Foods, you know, Ooh. we go run our errands, Ooh. you know, and do those kind of things and then come back. So John's on the road with you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's everywhere with us. Dude, that's great. It's, it's I remember him from the tour. He's, yeah. I didn't know he was your personal guy, but that's great. He works with the band, but he and I work more together. Right, right. Than the other guys. Because I'm a, I'm a fucking diva. I need help. <laughs> you lead singer somewhere. Come on. I got two I got two suitcases. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's finding those rituals to keep you sane. Absolutely. In that situation. You have to figure out your own yeah. shit. Yeah, it was much it's become emotionally harder since I have a, a little girl. Yeah, you have a yeah, six year old now. Six year old. So, wow. Who I the sun rises and wow. sets on her, you know? That's gonna be uh, it's hard because she gets mad. Like she's old she enough, probably me or her mom, <laughs> both of us. But it's funny because I FaceTime every day. 
Got, you know, got to stay in touch. Oh, yeah. If I make sure that I FaceTime her five, six times a day, she's okay. But if I FaceTime her once, her little face will come on the screen. And she'll just be like, I don't want to talk to you. Oh. And she gets mad. She's such a girl. You know, she's, she's, oh, all, like, yeah. she's all girl. And she's, I'm not talking to you. And I'm like, okay. And then it just breaks your little heart. Oh, and like, oh. How long, how, what's the longest you go on the road now at one time? Um, Three or four months. But you'll, now, you'll go off for three or four. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah this last I'm summer. about to do a 10-weeker with Joe Satriani. So yeah. when you guys, I, I mean, when you guys go out on tour, I got, I got you because I'm constantly like, do we got to do three in a row? And then day off three in a row, day off three in a row. I like, do you guys travel by bus with Joe? Or? Last, we did 10 weeks in Europe, 10 weeks USA. It was on bus, but it's only a quartet. Yeah. So that's good. No crew on the bus. We have a yeah. tour guy, a tour manager riding with us. And then Joe has his wife, does mm. six. Yeah. That's it. And the bus driver, seven. Yeah. It's, so it's really, the bus is stocked now. We have no singing. We did 16 in oh. Europe. 16 out of, 16 shows out of 18 days. Wow. Now, here's another thing that was unique to me. That was unique. No sound check. I went, whoa. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. I can't go on stage on a sound check. Yeah. I mean, I'm playing drums here. Yeah. And I figured a way to do it. First of all, the crew was insane. Yeah. You're as good as your monitor mixer. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This guy, he was one of those guys, you, as soon as you turn to look at him, he's already figured it out. Yeah. He's watching like a mobile. He plays every instrument. So the monitors were incredible. Yeah. And I had my tech there. I just said, bam, 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 bam. So that was good. So what I had to do is practice my brains off two hours a day. I have a, a routine that's very functional. Everything I'm practicing is designed to make me sound amazing mm -hmm. tonight. So I could work around that because we did things like this. We'd show up 45 minutes before the show. So I'd, I could stay in my room, you know, until then. After the show, go back to the room for a couple hours, shower, get set. And the reason why we do that, get back on the bus, because when we drive to the next city, you might be able to check in when you get there. No point in going too early because then, you, I mean... Sometimes you can't get in, so you sleep on the bus. Right. And the guy texts us, your keys are downstairs. Right. And you go into the room. So let's say I got in my room at 1 o'clock. Yeah. Well, I don't even leave till 7. Right, so right. So that was okay. That made it work okay. That's that's interesting. Yeah. And then it, I'd never done that before. Yeah. Like that. I mean, it's kind of crazy the way we do it because we try to stay on a night schedule, like driving at night. Well, yeah. that's what, Then you get to the place. Yeah. Good day driving. It's just like such a waste of Waste time. of a day, you know? Because you it's sleep like, on the bus. Yeah. I'm horrible sleeping on a bus. I'm horrible sleeping anywhere. Are you really? Yeah. See, because it's like, okay, being a drummer, and I watch our drummer, Craig. Yeah. Craig yeah, McIntyre. Yeah. He's a great drummer. Great drummer. Great drummer. Very fluid. Like, he's, yeah. like, he's like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some yeah. guys drum like this. He drums like this. Yeah. And it's like, and it's great. And I'm like, wow, the physical demands that you guys put on your bodies. As a drummer, it's like when you're a guitar player, you can just kind of stand there. And, yeah. Ugh. Oh, dude. Yeah, but when you're a drummer, you got to be in shape. Yeah, and I've always be... gone for the gusto. Mm -hmm. And you hit hard, hard. dude. Yeah. You hit hard. I keep, try, I keep always trying to make it sound like Madison Square Garden or Stadium. Yeah. I just, from when I was a little kid. You know. Yeah. Yeah, no, that, that's physical. So what do I call it? I spend half the day preparing mm -hmm. the rest of the day repairing. Wow. Okay. We're pairing through the night, and then I start preparing for the show. Then as soon as I've done the show, it's now repair. Yeah. 
And then when I get the next day, I start preparing. Yeah. You know? it's That's a cycle. Yeah. I'm constantly thinking about vitamins, what I eat, exercise, stretching, whatever it is, you know? Yeah. And I don't sleep good. Like I sleep two, three hours, wake up. I found a trick where if you, if you can't sleep and you're, you're buzzing, your cortisol levels up, my doctor told me, have just have some uh, carbs, a little bit of carbs. Yeah. And eventually it'll turn into sugar and it'll, it'll melt you down. Chills you out. Work. Oh, so that's interesting. That. That's funny because uh, Robbie, he always eats a bowl of cereal after the show. Oh, well, that But was... you've seen him on stage. Yeah. He's like, bah! Yeah. Hey, you know? <laughs> he's still in the punk world. I know. He's, he's crazy, man. You know? And it's like, sometimes I'm like, hey, take it down or not. <laughs> yeah. and like, Come on, man. But Robbie, having like, a moment here. Yeah. But um, he's amazing. But he has that yeah, bowl of cereal. He's got that bowl of cereal. And he, he probably lost so many carbs and it also helped him sleep. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing about love about you guys. You guys have only two different voices, like, which is cool. Like, think about Fleetwood Mac. They have all these different voices or the Eagles. You guys, yeah. but you guys, his voice and your voice are completely different. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Now, he was the original singer I know. in the band. So that, that's what I was going to ask you. So I pretty much know the answer. So you became the singer. Was that because you kept writing songs and you were singing them? So then yeah. you, you sang your songs and then also, you know, he's not going to sing your songs. Yeah. Well, I was always writing the music, you know, and but he, he, he was writing music. lyrics and he wrote, yeah, yeah, we would collaborate. Well, he would, he collaborating, would, right. Yeah. And, or I would come in with like riffs yeah. and stuff like that. And then we'd build the song out of it. Right. And then really we were in the studio making our second record. I got drunk. I got just enough liquid courage in me to go, then I want to get up and sing one. And Robbie was like, yeah, man, go do it. And then I did. And then I think at that point it was just like, he was like, ah, oh, fuck, maybe. <laughs> he was like, dude, yeah. but he didn't think you could do it. Fuck, yeah, you know. But I mean, you know, that's it's all good. good. Dude, I got to ask you a question. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yep, that's my wine. Very nice. Nick, cool. No labels on it. Love So that came out. They only made, I made one barrel. It's like 565 bottles. And now we're making another one. This is a, a Cab Sauvignon. The new one's going to be Cab Merlot. I'm just trying to figure out the percentages of how much Merlot, how much cab, Napa Valley. And it's going to, instead of the coin, you, you can rip it off and, you know, make a keychain. But yeah. Instead of the, oh, that's yeah, cool. It's going to be an emblem in there. But, oh, man, it's. That's it's, fantastic. It's, yeah, it's, it's just a fun project. Now, is this something you, like, you're there? Somebody, well, I'm going to go up. Like, they said, here's how it happened. Somebody connected me and I said, yeah, I'll do it. So he kept sending bottles with no labels on it, <clears> like three or four times. And, I, and he said, tell me which one you like. Yeah. He says, you know, you're picking the same blend every time. Yeah. Blend. You keep picking the, the Cab Syrah 50 50. I went, he said, I think that's your your flavor. Yeah. Because I thought maybe my taste buds were weird one day and they, I like this and I like that. It was the same one. So same we, one. And we did it and I had kind of like a grand opening uh, at East West Studios. Last oh, year. awesome, man. I love that place. I love that place. And Candace. Candace. I love Candace. I know. Well, I'm the greatest. I'm a happy person. Yeah. She's amazing. So, yeah, I'm going to do another one, and it's going to be, uh, this will be a Merlot cab. Wow. Syrah grapes are sensitive, tricky. You got to be careful. If you think about frequencies, I mean, this this was like in this frequency range, the new one that I tasted is more like just that. Right. But it's all smooth, very smooth. You smell it. It's got nothing. No, I don't like sharp. I want to be able to drink the wine without food so that it, you don't have to blend right. it. Some cabs are sharp. They grab your tongue. And so, you, you know, you eat it with food and it works great. Yeah. This bottle and the one I'm tasting, you can just drink it by just itself. Just enjoy it. Yeah. You put it in your mouth, switch your tongue around, got this 
flavor, and when you swallow it, it's still the same thing. It's not like zing, zang, ding, dong, ding, dong, dong. Yeah. I like that. I had to quit drinking, but yeah. I loved wine. Yeah. You know who taught me? I think I drank wine with you. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you and yeah. I drank a lot of wine at one point. <laughs> you know, you know, I learned about wine, though. It was really funny. I didn't know. I didn't know anything. I hated wine. I was just, but back in the old days when, and you know this, when every city had a record company rep and they would take you out to dinner. Oh, yeah. On the company car. Oh, yeah. So we'd go to these nice restaurants. For starters. Yeah. And then you'd go to the, the waiter or the sommelier and you'd be like, what do you like? Because I'm not paying for it. Yeah. So I can get the hundred dollar yeah, yeah. bottle of wine. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. try it, you know, and be like, whoa. It's like, and you just learned all about this, you know, and, and just writing the names down. Did you collect wine at all? I never collected wine because I was too busy drinking it, <laughs> which was the problem. I'm like, okay, I want to tell you a story. Okay, I had to quit drinking. Yeah. Okay, and I love this story because it just speaks to what the addictive mind can do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Someone gave me one of those giant bottles of Bouffe Clicquot. Oh, yeah. Right? And I drank two and a half, three bottles of wine yeah. alone because I like to spend time by myself yeah. drinking because no one else wants to be around me when I'm drunk. <laughs> and, and I ran out. I ran out. And I was like, wait a minute. This is when I really knew I, I need help. This bottle, barely like hold it. You know, it's like the guy that wins the, wins the F1 doing one of those. I opened it and I'm pouring this thing. In a little glass? A, no, and I'm like a big cup. Oh. I'm just, I'm swilling it down like, ah. And then I wake up, I totally forgot that I had opened this thing. It's and it was right before I got married and we were supposed to use it at the wedding. And I, I, told, I was like, oh my God. I what did I do? It. I found the bottle in the backyard. Little <laughs> lay in there. And it was like, I was like, I didn't drink the whole thing. I would have killed myself. Yeah. But and then I had to go to the guy. I took the bottle to the guy at the liquor store. Yeah. My I'm like, I'll pay you anything. You gotta get me one of these before whatever date. Yeah. You know? Luckily he found me one. But that's when I was like, Yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta quit drinking food. Well, that's great. The light went off. Yeah. Well, yeah. It took a long time, but, yeah. you know, and, yeah, but you know, that's tough shit. That's tough stuff, man. Cause your body wants it. That's a tough one. Yeah. I've been around that. You know, that's like when the body wants it, it's look at feelings and passions are way more powerful than a thought. Yeah. Well, they work at a much faster. It's like, like, like a thought, a thought pops in, pops out, thought you can ruminate on it. Uh, thought moves slower than feelings, well, you know, idea. Yeah, the feeling is who the you feeling are. is like the speed of light. It's what you're feeling, and it goes deeper. Yeah, totally. it ties into this whole Let me universe. Ask you, so you know, when I played with John Fogarty for 29 years, there's a story. Is I think he wrote Proud Mary in two days. Mm -hmm. I heard 20 minutes once, but anyway, he wrote it like just got discharged from National Guard or something. He writes his song, just blew out of him. Mm -hmm. Do you have moment? Have you written songs like that where it just yeah. it well, you, you have. Yeah. I mean, well, okay. I don't want to get all like, but there's times where you're writing songs and it's like you're in a bar fight, right? And then there's these songs that- It's hard work. Yeah. It's, it's hard work, you know, and you're pounding. There's songs, you know, the inspiration will come, but then you got to get out the hammer and the nails right. and build it, you right. know? And then there's songs that kind of feel like they're coming in through the top of your head. And yeah. coming out your hands and yeah. you're like, and you're kind of just a witness 
Oh, yeah, I believe. You know what I'm saying? Oh, totally. Name one of those songs. Um, okay, a song that just kind of, well, Iris. Oh, was very, well, I mean, I went and saw the movie. And you think, like, why did that song come so easily? Why was it like that? Because I went and saw the film, Danny Bramson, who's old-time music supervisor. Yeah. I saw the movie, and he had so much faith in me. He was just like, you're going you're gonna to write something amazing for this. Wow, and you did. And, and I just, and I went back to my hotel, and I did it. And I was getting divorced from my first wife. Yeah. And it was like, you know, we had just kind of came into our own. And it was a really exciting time. And it was like, it was sad, but it was happy and fun and exciting. And there was this little bit of sadness in the background because the relationship breaking up and all that. And then I'm living in a hotel in West Hollywood and it's kind of like, what the hell is going on? Rock and roll thing. Yeah, you know, and it was emotionally intense at that time. And it was like, I think I was really raw emotionally at that point in time. And it just kind of went, woof. You can hear it in the song, that's for sure. It's translated. So many parts in that song. When you say it just came out, I mean, it was, so many influences came in. Yeah. So many incredible sections. Yeah, thank like you. Very one much. of those perfect. That, yeah. And that, Rob Cavallo, you know, put that whole mess together. Yeah, well, Rob. Is, and turned it into. That was a big turning point for Goo Goo Dolls. Yeah, right? huge, huge. Is that the big thing? Yeah, that was where it all. Just, and it's still being played on the radio now. Yeah, it's crazy. I know, it's pretty crazy. I mean, you know, and it's like, it's kind of weird because sometimes, sometimes when I get in that shadow. You know, when I get in my own shadow, I get like, you know, I wrote a bunch of other songs, you know, <laughs> and then it's like, shut up, you ungrateful prick. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love it. It's like, just be happy. It's like you had one. Just OK. You had many, but that one sticks. And but the, I, I would imagine if you called Mick right now, he'd be like, what is it, Mick? What is the song that you feel overshadowed every other song oh, yeah. you've done? Because, I mean. When you think about those two guys, just hit after hit after hit. I know. And the swagger and the, and even the last, the new record that just came out, I sent one of the songs to Robbie. I'm like, I want to cover this song. It was so good. Wow. And Robbie was like, I don't know if anybody's going to know this, but it's a fucking stone song. Yeah. And it's amazing. The guy is friggin' 80 or whatever. No. And he's killing it. He's killing it. It was so good. This is the best Stones record. I think this is the best Stones record that's been in it for a long time. I love yeah, it. I, I love it. Yeah, Dude, oh my God. It's pretty awesome. Wow. It's wow. pretty, it's, I was like, damn, this is good. Well, you guys just did a new record that just came out. To, oh, no, it was 2022. Yeah. The one you wrote during the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's a great record. Chaos and Bloom. The first song, I mean, it's like, starts off driving guitar, rhythm guitar. Yeah. God, love. I went and listened to the whole thing yesterday. Thank you very much. It's really good. It. Yeah, we went. War is the second song. Right? Yeah, yeah. It's a great. That's a great record. Thank you. Was that? And it sounds different than some of your other records. Yeah, well, I hired a very cool indie guy named Chris Zek, very indie rock guy. And then I wanted to try and do it. I, I got to produce it. Oh, right? Right. yeah, I got to produce it. Which great was, engineering, too, and mixing oh, and mastering. Oh, geez. Crazy. The sounds are incredible. Yeah. I mean, so you produced it. I produced you it produced well. Your vocals too? No, but that's, this you know is what, what happened. Saying? I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I reached the point with that record where I'm like, I dragged this thing as far as I can. Mm. And I got up in front of the microphone. Chris is sitting there engineering and I'm like, I can't do this. I can't do, I need. So then Greg Wattenberg, who I'm sure you know, great songwriter, producer, entrepreneur, amazing, amazing like talent. 
I was like, can you help me finish the record? Oh, that's, can you that's help a big, that's a producer's decision. You're being a producer. You're going like, I can't do this. What, what would a producer say? Get somebody who can't. Yeah. We've been working together for like 20 years. Oh, like, on and off, on and off. Trust him. I trust him, you know, but he's hilarious, you know? And he's like, yeah, that take made me want to scratch my ass. All right. And then you're like, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I guess I got to go back and do it again. You know, we're so tight and, and such good friends that, you know, I can accept it from him. Because it's like, you got to keep that thing. I was unable to do it, you know, and I had to admit to myself, this is not serving the song. You know, me wanting to have the sole producer credit on the record. Right. That ain't going to make the record better. Oh, man, smart executive You know what I mean? You know, and there's a little, you know, a little uh, about it, but I'm not, I'm not going to win. I need the help. Realized. Like, you got to have a chance. to win the Super Bowl. You are. It takes a team to win a Super Bowl. Hell Tom yeah. Brady figured that very young. Yeah. You know, I always talk about Tom Brady or Mahomes or any great quarterback wins the Super Bowl. Really. <laughs> oh, yeah, I need those other 10 guys. And I got to make decisions. The ultimate North Stars, how do we get a touchdown? How do we win the Super Bowl? For you, it's, I guess it, for us, it would be being on a number one hit single. Right. Because that's the North Star. When you're number one, you're number one. That's yeah. huge. And I can't say that I don't care anymore because it's like, I do. You want to care. I still, I. You know, I still want those things. We all, you know, every kid dreams of being a rock star. You know what I mean? And then you get a chance and then it's like at the beginning of it, it's like, I'm a fucking rock star. And then the world, the universe will correct your course. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Whether you want it to or not, it's going to correct your course. Yeah. And uh, I got my course corrected good <laughs> a few times. It's good. You know, but I still want people to like it. Of course, of course you want people to like it. It's, it's your thing. It's your bringing something into the world and you want people to appreciate it and like it, you know? Yeah. What, do you have like, um, I remember when I was with Mellencamp, he didn't want to do certain songs he'd written like 40 years ago because the lyrics were like, he was like 20 years old. Yeah. And he said, I ain't playing that song. I don't know. Yeah. Are you like that? Do you like go like, or do you, I mean, especially if the song was yeah. it, we play the hits anyway because yeah. people want to hear them. Yes, of course. Of course. Okay. I get that. You know why? I swear to God, I had a conversation. The person's going to remain nameless. Yep. He's like, every night, thousands of people show up to see me. And I was like, oh, you're a dick. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, and I was like, <clears throat> we were sitting at a bar having a conversation. And I was just like, mm. and I'm kind of like, so I try to think of it as this is a service. And I always think about this. Was it? 150 bucks a ticket, 200 bucks a ticket. Okay. And all the records they bought. Think about that night out, 50 bucks to park, 50 bucks for a t-shirt, 20 bucks for a shitty watered down beer. I mean, you're talking about, you could easily spend a couple grand in one night. You better fucking bring it. You better fucking That's bring it. That's a good attitude. Because they're going to walk out of there. And that, that might be their only big night out that summer is your night. Don't bring your pissy little rock star problems into the fucking situation. They want to hear that. Story. Leave them backstage. I have a friend who um, called, says, bring it back to the barn. And that's what they do, like that horse world. You yeah. know, they bring it back to the barn. Like, yeah. Don't let. Yeah. You don't need to. I, I had dinner. Keep your feet on the ground. Yeah. And it's sort, of, sort of like you're there for them. Yeah. In a way. You know what you I mean? Them. We have no career. Right. Don't exactly. Career. Don't play the song. Oh, I hate that. When they're like, when I've known a couple of guys, they're just like, their biggest hit. No, I can't. I'm not doing it. I'm Why? I'm sick of playing that song. And I feel the same way at times, you know, when you start playing Slide or Iris. I'm just like, you know, I got all these cool B-sides I wanted. Yeah. 
And it's like, dude, and Robbie's really good about this, dude. Dude, you got to play the hits. Yeah. You got to. And it's like, I, I understand agree. that. I agree. They didn't come to hear. B-sides. A B-side from your second some album. Them, some of them do. Some of them do, but, you know, it's like, you got a responsibility. Dude, that was the thing when I played with you guys. And when I was on tour with you guys, every song seemed like it was a hit. Even the B-sides were hits. It was just unbelievable. We've been, like, really lucky in that way. Like, radio, I don't, I don't, we had a huge run at radio. Well, yeah, because you played songs. You had the formula for radio. You had the formula for... Now, radio now is, I mean, I don't even know. What, what is it? I don't know. I mean, well, first of all, this time period we're talking about, radio was the game in town. Yeah. You get you got to get your song played on the radio. You got to have a hit on radio, and uh, and uh, you, you, that, that's how you sell records. That's how you yeah. stay in business. Radio wasn't the only hit. I mean, you got TikToks and Instagram and yeah. all this shit. You know, you, you don't have to practice like we practice. The formula for us is you, you practice your answer, you practice, you practice. Yeah. Maybe you get in a good band and maybe the band will write some songs and maybe you'll get a record deal and they'll pay you to make a record and you go out and sell the product and then, mm -hmm. then you get to do it again yeah. and then you become big. Yeah. Well, people like, you know, on, you know somebody like the, way, the, the good news is anybody can do stuff with all the technology they have, but the bad news is that they don't have to practice their ass off yeah. the way I'm talking about and build a huge career. But the other aspect of our career is like, everything's disposable. You know, it's like, yeah. it's like, yeah, you know, well, they're not going to last. Well, guess what, Kenny? Nobody cares anymore. Right. Guess what? Yeah. Yeah, it used to be, there'd be like two slots in the top 100 songs and they're here today, gone tomorrow. Well, guess what? Now 99 of those slots are here today, gone tomorrow. Yeah, I, you're Kinda, right. You know you're saying? right. Yeah, it's very, uh, so your fans, the attention your loyal fan fans is very short. important. They are very important. And you and you do. And they grab new fans. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you know what I always thought was really great? We learned to be open to all kinds of music and all kinds of bands. Like, you know, John Bon Jovi has been very, very generous to me, you know? Good. And it was sort of like I'm when we, we got offered that tour, he's a great guy. He's a great he guy. And, great guy. He, and he's a fucking icon. And that's what he's I was talking about. Kidding. Like the biggest of the big. And I can call him on the phone. Hey, how you doing, Let's man? Text him right now. I got text him. You know, you know him, right? Yeah, I did Blazer Glory album. Yeah, and I did Destination. I did both his solo records. Yeah, and he's like, he said, yeah, he's a good dude. He's a good dude. He's just a good dude. And it's like when we got to open for them, I learned so much, and wow. I learned. And he let and he let you watch. Yes, and he was very again really generous and open with the all the knowledge, and I wanted to know. At the beginning, it was kind of like, wow, eh, you know, I was, we were in the garage with the Ramones and, yeah. uh, you know, at first, but then it was just like, oh no, I have never seen anything like a Bon Jovi audience. Oh my God. In my life. You can't hear the band. I know. You can't hear the band because the people are singing and all, I mean, it is a relentless pounding yeah, and of hits. I know. It's unbelievable. 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 And, I know. I, you know. I say, and, I, I, Fogarty, we're playing one of those big, you know, pink pop up in the Netherlands. And Fogarty, we were on before them on one stage. And then they came on. I stayed the whole concert. Oh, yeah. To every single song. And you know every song. I knew every single and song. everybody sings every oh, yeah. word to every song. It's like, talk about touching a chord in people. On a massive scale. Massive. Massive tour worldwide. 18 months a year. 18 months a year. Yeah. A year. I mean, a tour. Yeah, 18 months <laughs> a tour. I, no, but 
But I like that. Dude, you should coin that. I think you did just coin that. 18 months. The hardest working band in show business. They tour 18 months a year. Yeah, you're trying to do that. That's right. (laughs) But but I remember I remember when I was a teenager, you know, he's 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 a couple years older than me. Just like a couple years older than me. And I remember those guys opened for everybody. Everybody. They were constantly going, 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 going. You know, and I wonder. You know, I wonder what your perspective on this. It's like in the modern world of the future with your TikTok and all your social media and everybody's using music as a catalyst to launch their brand and their career and all this other stuff. It's like, who are going to be the greats in the future? I don't know. You know? That's interesting because we're in a new, forget about music. It's just a a new mindset in general. It's already changed and we're seeing results of what already changed whatever, 10 years, 15 years ago. It's changing, man. It's a whole different, it's just the, the world is evolving. Mm-hmm. I have no clue where it's going to go, but there's no question. Social media ain't going nowhere. Yeah. And now we got AI in there. It's going to add another thing. My God. So it's like, kind of like, you got to work with, with the tools we have. So yeah. I, I definitely, uh, you can't say, say the stuff that it exists and information gets thrown all over the world real fast. Yeah. I don't know, I have the film, but I don't have the answer, but I know this much. I'm so grateful that I was in the, am still in the music business, but it started from a period where you could build a following, yeah. you can build a brand, and it's the type of stuff that has staying power. Yeah. Because people are going to always come to it because it's got feeling. Mm-hmm. You can't write those songs you wrote and build a career quick. Yeah. It's quick like a great bottle of wine. It's some bottles, the grapes got to be in there 15 years. Yeah. Otherwise, it won't taste like that. Right. So right. what do you want? You want Boone's Farm or do you want? <laughs> right, exactly. You want Ripple or do you want really good stuff, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean. We, we're not going to change that scene, no. that scene there. It's just how we all fit into it. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like I stay away from something. Do you have a marketing team that makes sure they, you're on? Yeah, they take care of it, you know? It was interesting. We did that game. <clears throat> For the uh, widow of, was it uh, Oracle? Yeah. Okay. So with 150 people, one of them was Bill Gates. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was that kind of thing. It was like, are you kidding with someone's backyard playing? Anyway, I did a post. I was just, you know, doing a post. I said, yeah, man, I'm up here playing with the Google Dolls, blah, 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 blah. And, oh, wow, look who's over there. I think that's Bill Gates playing tennis. Yeah. And <laughs> that particular post on Instagram blew up like humongous, hundreds of thousands. I have no idea why. Yeah. There's algorithms and all this stuff that's involved. I don't know if it was the word Google Dolls. No, I think it might've been Bill Gates. But, <laughs> but it blew up, but it was interesting to me. Cause I've tried crazier things. Mm-hmm. When I used to post more, but mostly I just post this podcast. I have a team do it. I don't do anything. Yeah. I let them do it. Yeah. I'm paying them to do it. They just yeah. do it. They, when I do like this thing we're doing right now, yeah. there'll be, when it comes out, there'll be like five clips for the first week. And then we're going to have five more for the next week mm-hmm. promoting this. Like yeah. little clips are like, oh, that's awesome. about. so they do all that. Yeah. I just check the verbiage because I want it to come from my voice. Right. But I mean, it's like, you need the team. You need I need a team. team. I, I don't got time for that. I don't like personally engaging. I remember once a long time ago and I had a Twitter account and somebody said something but, you know, about something they had no right to say about. 
Yeah. And I found myself, you mother. Oh, I, and I'm like, oh, fuck. I can't, you can't do that. I think I saw you and then say I'm something like, that was cracked me up. He says, alcohol and Twitter don't go together. They don't. And then I went, I thought, no, alcohol and all social media. Yeah, right. <laughs> I know. You start going, blah, blah, blah. And it's there forever. Sometimes there forever. I'll, get, I'll get a remark, uh, you know, on my YouTube thing and they'll like crash either me or the person. I just delete it. I don't yeah. want any negative energy. Right. They but that goes back to that. Uh, yeah, I want to keep it all, you know. Yeah. I mean, that mechanism that you are able to reject the negative. I mean, because yeah. I'm a negativity sponge. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. somebody would be like, uh, hey, John, uh, that shirt looks kind of weird on you. And I'll just be like, what the fuck? <laughs> you, yeah. know? you believe like, it. Yeah, sometimes. Most of the time, I'm it's just, cool can't go fuck yourself. But <laughs> It's a cool but, feeling. It's like... It's like, like being a king, you know, when you're the king, you know, and you're making all these decisions in your realm, you know, whether it's your band, your family, whatever, you're the king, you're going to make decisions, you make the best decisions based on all the information you gather. Mm -hmm. And you got to value that. I am not going to please everyone. I'm not. Yeah. How can I please everyone? But what you can do is feel good that you tried to do the best that you could do mm -hmm. and then feel great about that and just, and try to get into that space. And like, you know what? I'm doing it right. I'm not going to please everybody, but I'm doing it right. I did the best I could. I looked at all the information and made a great decision based on what I knew. Mm. Done. That's great. That is, take that to heart. Somebody taught You me. guys, take that to Some heart. Some heavy dude taught me that. And I went, and it resonated with me. It resonated with me. Was this a heavy dude that you can share who he is? Or Oh, no, it's nobody you would know, yeah. but he's a, he was an executive life coach mm. that's done a lot of work. Yeah. He shared that with me. Because he saw me, I was saying some things that, that he made him say that. And I went, oh my God, I get it. Yeah. It felt good because I felt like, I felt honorable. He made me feel like a king. You could say, or it could be a queen. When you sit, you feel like, yeah, you're doing great. Mm -hmm. Because you made the best decision possible mm -hmm. on all the information. Can you imagine like a king in the old days deciding that, well, do I go to war and have a lot of people killed? Well, I have to. Yeah. Because if I don't, blah, 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 blah. Heavy lies the crown. Yeah. You know? But, I mean, luckily we don't have to make those. We don't have to we, make those. We just got to show up for sound check. You know? It's like. <laughs> or not. You know? I mean, it's like, world ain't changing. It's like, but I'm always impressed by you because you're always seeking. Yeah. You're still looking. Oh, a I'm lot of people, a lot of people go, I'm done. I know exactly. And I'm like, no, there's got to be a way to be better. There's got to be more. And You're it's like, guy too. You know, yeah, I am that guy. Yeah. But I drive people crazy with it sometimes because I'm like, no, there's a way for us to be better. Or there's a way I got to be, or I got to be smarter. I got to do this. Or yeah. I gotta, you know, I'm always, a, and there's a point, I think, where I've gotten to at certain times where it's just like, dude, take it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take it easy. Only you can make that decision, John. Yeah. Only you. Yeah. No freaking, only you're the only one that, remember, you're the king of your realm. Only you can decide when that is. Someone says to me, man, why don't you just chill out and smell the rose? I said, smell pretty good right now. Yeah. <laughs> I've said in many relationships, when it comes to this yeah. and this and my passion, ain't going to change until I want to change. Right. I'm sorry. I am wired this way. Yeah. I, I, when I wake up in the morning, I'm excited. Yeah. And I'm the guy that doesn't want to turn the lights off at night because I'm still excited. Mm -hmm. I'm still thinking. I want to try that. I want to do that. So, hey, I didn't make me. This is who I am. And yeah. I, I now, I ain't going to apologize to anybody. Wow. 
This is who I am. It's an inspiration, man. Yeah. It is. I own it, though. I own it. Just call me up sometime. I'll, I'll yeah. say, Johnny, just keep doing it. If you, do you want to do that? Yes, then do it. That's inspiring. And be that king where people aren't going to be happy. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. Now, and now I'm, you know, clock's ticking on us, man. I'm starting to look like, well, wait a minute. This is my life. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I don't want to screw anybody over, but yeah. there's a point where you have to, if you're going down, that's not good. And this thing keeps you up. Yeah. Then you do that. Because here's the deal. Check this out. The ripple effect of your happiness and joy in doing what you're doing has an effect on everybody around you. So yeah. you're serv- doing a great service yeah. when you're a happy mofo. Yeah. Happy mofo. And when you're a happy mofo, you affect your kid, your wife, your, your band, everybody. Yeah. So that's that's be, very true. Be happy. Yeah. The point was like, I mean, we can all do things we don't want to do, but basically when you're happy, you're an asset to society. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Cause I've, I've noticed that it's like, yeah, when I, what, if I get dark, people react to you differently. They do. They do. And it's they like, do. whoa, what's going on? You know, that's yeah. pretty cool that, that Robbie and you have stayed together so long. Cause Man. he got, you guys, are, he knows you inside out like nobody else. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's unfortunately well, sometimes, yeah, you know. But but he he understands. He understands the, yeah. the concept of being in a band and yeah. being together. No, he's been a great a great partner. Are you still? A, I mean, I had a conversation. With you were a massive gearhead. Yeah, you had a studio and you had like more of this microphone than anybody in the world. Or yeah, just like a U sixty seven. Yeah, you, some crazy like eight thing. billion dollars. Yeah. Nah, you know, man, I. I I like collecting vintage recording equipment and, and new, new recreations of it. Well, if I'm, if, if I'm in a year where I'm going out on tour and I'm working yeah. and that I'll buy some stuff just because it's a tax write off. Have you so- sold any of this stuff or you got it? Nah, I, I sometimes I'm like, if I don't use something for like a year or two years, oh, okay, then I'll be like, I don't really use that piece. Yeah. So, and I'll see something that, cause I'm always finding something oh, yeah. I want. You replace it. So I'll replace it with something else. But now I'm in this spot where I'm like one out, one in because I can't, because I love your setup here because it's so streamlined and it's, and it's the best of the best, Yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like, it's enough, you know, and, but I'm obsessed with all the different flavors of, you know what I mean? Oh, this API sounds different than the Neve and really dorky. I got that. Uh, I got the RCA BA6A over here. That had this guy That's modify, and it's got, but I don't have a hobby. That's my hobby. I mean, I, I like to cook and I love studio gear. It, I think, and I, I was talking to somebody about this. It's like, because my happiest times in my life were in the studio yeah. with Rob yeah. Cavallo and with yeah. Greg Wattenberg and with Jack Joseph Puig. Oh, well, yeah. Like those were my happiest times well, were, they, were being there. Do you, you had a studio in Buffalo, right? Yeah, Robbie still has it. Oh, he has it. He has yeah, he still got it. Yeah, we built it in 2008, just as the world came undone. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's right. So our, what we wanted to do was we wanted to have the best, cheapest studio. You know what I mean? That's like, cool. That's a great concept. Like, we wanted it to be so cheap. Cheap, you mean affordable? Affordable for people. Like, I wanted to be able to have bands that didn't have any money to be able to, okay, it's, it's 400 bucks a day. Well, like we calculated what is the rent and the maintenance and the, right. the, 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 the and how can we get, how that's can we, brilliant. you know, didn't work, didn't work. But Robbie, well, 400 a day, that's cheap. 400 a day, you know, and it's like, and on a big API console and ha- you have a fair child and you have all this stuff. 
You get to work at a level that you normally wouldn't get to work at. God. And that was that thing because it was the happiest times of my life. We're always in the studio. What, yeah. What's the Buffalo scene now? What, what kind um, of music they got? There's, there's a ton of bands. There's, there's some jam, there's some jam bands uh, that oh. came out. Of, there's a band called Mo that came out of there. They're, they were really popular. Huge hip hop scene. Huge. Of course, I would think huge so. Huge hip hop scene. What, are there still a lot of bars and clubs up there? You know what? Not as much as there used to be. Smaller, smaller places. Because when know? you were growing up, it was Club City. Yeah. Place, a lot of venues to play. A lot of venues. But there's a great place there who called the Town Ballroom. And it's actually run by... The guy who was the first manager of our band, Town Ballroom. It's like a House of Blues style place. Yeah, I know that. And it's a great, it's yeah. a great club. And that, you know, the guy who owns it and runs it is, is he was our first manager. So did you finish high school? I did. Oh, yeah. And I scraped through a couple of semesters of college. Oh, yeah. Like, before they tossed me. Oh, they tossed you? Yeah. You said, I want to be uh, a rock star. I, I was flunking out, so... Oh. And I remember this. The, Robbie's like, yeah, hey, we got a gig up in Toronto. I talked to my math professor. I was like, yeah, I got this gig in Toronto. I can't. He's like, you don't come to class. You're failing. And I'm like, I guess I'm failing. <laughs> and I left. I get, now, I want, I want you to play some songs. From sure, you sure. But before I do that, so you're, you're like, great shit. Incredible. But I, I know you, I know, I think you told me you were like a pizza freak or something. I'm yeah. thinking, I think I remember thinking like, well, if you eat pizza, how can you look like this? Just work your ass off. There you go. To work your calories ass Calories in, calories out. Calories. I mean, yeah, wasn't that, somebody says that's the laws of thermodynamics, you yeah. know, or whatever. Calories in, calories out. Yeah. If you eat this much pizza, guess what? You're on a treadmill lifting weights. Yeah. You know, you try to eat better. I've, I, Do you I, still eat pizza? I, yeah. Yeah. And I have, I'm, I'm like a pizza whisperer. Like I can look at a photograph <laughs> oh my God. of a pizza and go, that's where I want to get the pizza from. But, you know, you don't eat 10 slices, right? All right. You know, and you work your ass off. Yeah. And it's like you run around yeah. on stage and you, and you, and you hit the gym and, and try to be reasonable. Try You're to, not a vegetarian, are you? No. Need no, to. can't do it. I love meat. Can't. No. Well, somebody that. will say, someone will say that you can do it with vegetables, but I like meat too. Yeah, I like meat too. And, and you know, no, I mean. I, and that means fish, chicken, yeah. and red meat. Yeah. You know, and I, I met a guy who was a, a he was a, a vegan bodybuilder. Yeah. And the guy was an insane, but, you know, insane shape. Yeah. But that's a hard road to get there. And it's interesting. I was, I've been uh, listening to an audio book called The Way the World Really Works. I can't pronounce the guy. I'm going to pronounce it wrong. But I think the guy's name is Vaclav Smil or Smil, something like that. Yeah. And he talks about fossil fuel. It gets really dorky. Oh, yeah. But about environmental impact of meat versus vegetables and things like that. Kind of an interesting take. No, I've done this. So, and I have a friend that's a vegan yeah. and he looks great. Yeah. And he looks phenomenal. I think everybody, you know, people's blood types are different. It's why it's like everyone's got to figure it out for themselves. Yeah. You know, I mean. Do you do the blood type yeah, thing? I, yeah. Well, let's just put it right. I get executive blood work every year. I think I told you this mm -hmm. a long time ago. Yeah. And we analyze my blood for like two hours with the doctor and we tweak my vitamins and my diet. I've always got every, every, I mean, my. I'd say five years ago, my stats came out as a 23-year-old or something like that. No shit. But on the other hand, 23-year-olds aren't that healthy these days. But yeah. the thing is, is though, my stats were insane. Everything. Everything was in place. And we just tweaked. Like, for example... Yeah, but you're a unicorn on top of that. Yeah, I am. You got the genes. I got the genes. You know? there's a there's, I follow this guy on, yeah. on uh, YouTube, and I bought, bought a bunch of his work. This guy, Jeff Cavalier, this athlete X guy. Yeah. He's got like 15 million followers and that... That guy's got some 
jeans. Yeah. He's, um, he's it starts amazing. with jeans. Yeah. And he works his ass off. I, yeah. I have a thing called, uh, it's called healthy life is a wealthy life. I won't get it. It's eight steps. It's basic, you know. Mm. I'll just give you a quick ones like lifting weights. Yeah, it makes you strong, but it also elevates your hormone levels, mm-hmm. which elevates your immune system. Mm-hmm. And it makes you strong. Yeah. Cardio, only way you can exercise your heart, which mm-hmm. is an important muscle. Yep. Biggest muscle in your body. The most is important cardio. one. Yeah. So that elevates your hormones, which elevates your immune system. By the way, this also elevates your testosterone, which goes down when you're young. Mm-hmm. The third thing is some sort of stretching. So now you got strength, flexibility, and endurance. Mm-hmm. And then next is diet, which we won't get into. Like, you can eat your meat, but you have lots of fruits and vegetables. And I stay away from fried food, processed food, sugar, as much as possible. Mm-hmm. The bad shit. No sodas, none of that. The next thing is supplements. I take a crap load of supplements mm-hmm. because I'm 18-hour a day, seven-day-a-week guy. And it works. Yeah. Um, there's certain supplements like zinc will kind of oversimplifying, keep your testosterone good, keeps your estrogen out of the way. Yeah. Basically, stuff like that. Right. My doctor told me. The next thing is water, half your body weight in water. Every cell in your body needs water. Uh, stress is the worst thing you do. Whatever you need to do, release stress. Meditation, I don't care what it is, hum, breathe, whatever it is. Reduce stress and then sleep is the eighth one. Yeah. And I suck at it, but I do the best I can. But see, that's amazing. But and you formulated I'm this aware, yourself. Yeah, I did. And the point is, the whole reason why I could rattle off is that I'm aware of it. Oh, you didn't sleep enough today. Okay, so it reminds me, ding, 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 ding. It's like looking at the Ten Commandments. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm not supposed to kill somebody. Okay, I won't do that tomorrow. Right. You know, you just, it reminds you. It's like a checklist. Yeah. Okay, I better pull my, you know, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm one of those guys when I go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. I look in the mirror and go, ah, oh, you need to lose some weight. Yeah. I'm checking yeah. it out all the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, you just make adjustments. Yeah. I, I, yeah. It's like I'm constantly tweaking. I could tell you that guy. Um, I mean, you know, I got a lot to learn from you, though. Well, we all, because it's like, I mean, you got it down. I mean, I, I still. This is me, like, oh, I mean, I need to get back lifting heavier. Mm-hmm. It's like, for example, I think this should come out more. I think this could come out more. I think this could come out more. I mean, I know what yeah. to do. I know exactly what to do. Yeah. I mean, there's, yeah, there's times where you, where you got to change it up. But it's interesting because, like, Everybody's body is different. Totally. But the biggest thing that I learned over the last couple of years is exercising your posterior chain is so important because no, everybody wants this to look good up front, you know? Right. But you got to, your back's got to be strong. Your core's got to be strong. Your tricep, your legs. I mean, it's like- squats like all through the day. mm -hmm. 20 squats, lean on your heels, Mm -hmm. go down, come up. Builds a core. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it does. You, you know, you don't even really need the weight. No, you don't. You don't, you don't really need we'll the do weight. A thousand, let's see you do a thousand squats without weights. You'll feel like you have thousands right. of pounds. Exactly. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, then there's, you know, there's so many different ways. And I think it's like, you got to take a little from everybody. Yeah. And, and, yeah exactly. and find what works for you. For you. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Julie, who came up with the sex magnets? Oh, God. The maggots. Sex maggots. 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 Yeah, I need sex maggots. I, like that's Robbie. Twisted. Yeah, that's Robbie. Like I don't think of sex when I think of a maggot. Yeah, well, he the, that was you know what was it, he was, like it was a joke. It was like a joke. Oh, yeah, what? yeah, and then it's kind of like I caught on, it. you know. I and, and I and I still hate the name of our band now, but I wish we would have had ten more minutes to find a cooler name. You know. Well, how did it come? I, it just I, I was we had a gig and we had a gig and we had no name and I'm like, you know, didn't want to use sex maggots. Didn't know. And I love it. And then, and then, um, I'm gonna steal it. I'm gonna take it. You should take it, man. Steal it. Get me in the sex maggot. It's yours, man. Um, 
we had a gig and then just use the word that, yeah, and then we made a record and we sold like 400 copies and then robbie's like we got a fan base they're not going to know who we are <laughs> i'm like it's 400 people you know they'll, Dude, they'll get over it you in that room that room was wrapped with the goo goo dolls there's a still piece of fabric over there the backdrop from i had goo goo dolls and then it, when it rained last year, it soaked the whole thing. I was, nah. you know, so I got rid of it. Yeah. But I had your backdrop from a tour. Oh, thanks. It was stored man. next door. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like been a long ride, man. It's, it's been great. crazy. We're still going to, we're, we're still kicking butt. Still you, crushing it, bro. You, we are not going down. Look, at, if Mick Jagger and those guys in their 80s, you and I will be playing music in our 80s together. Yeah. And we'll be talking about, remember when we were young? Yeah. Fuck. Dude, you rock, man. Thanks um, so much for having me.